So, 952, we're going to read Zechariah chapter 4, verses, we're just going to read 6 to 10 at the moment, okay? So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it! God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. I'm going to start with uh, this picture. You may have come across this lady before in the previous 90-odd years of your life. What an amazing lady she is. Isn't she a beautiful, beautiful lady? And, and, and beautiful because of so many things, isn't it? Not just what she looks like, not because of the thing that we're all going to watch this evening, apparently, showing the fun side behind the duty but the way that she is with so many people. And we, we honour her. I think it's an amazing opportunity next weekend, isn't it, to honour her. And even if we're not joining up with others, we're trying to encourage people in the streets or with your neighbours, just spend a bit of time saying thank you to God for this amazing lady. She is an incredible leader, an incredible lover of Jesus, isn't she? I think she's an incredibly funny person to be around as well. I think she's got a, quite a sense of humour. She's able to deal with people in lots of different ways. I love the story in 1964 of this guy chatting to the Queen, the Royal Variety performance, a guy called Tommy Cooper, comedian. And he asked her if she minded um, answering a personal question, to which she said, no, but I might not be able to give you a full answer. To which he said, do you like football? Asked Cooper. Well, not really, the Queen replies. Well, in that case, do you mind if I have your cup final tickets? (laughs) Her faith is so clear, isn't it? You know, the best evangelist in the country at Christmas, no doubt about it, on Christmas Day. An incredible, incredible person. I think this is amazing as well, right from the beginning of her coronation. This statement is the statement that... Uh, is read over her by the Archbishop. You are this day consecrated to be our head and prince, so that you may continue steadfastly as the defender of Christ's religion, that being rich in faith and blessed in all good works, you may reign with him who is the King of Kings. That statement, you may reign with him who is the King of Kings. And her faith is clear, isn't it? Whenever you hear her speak, she understands her place as the servant queen, serving Not just the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, but serving the King of Kings. There's a very clear sense of that. And that word kingdom really um, fascinates me, really. Because for many of us, we want to know Jesus as Savior. We love that bit. We want to know that we know that he will know us and love us. And when one day we die, that we will go to be with him forever. But actually what we have to realize is that we are called to be bearers of a kingdom. Followers of a king and bearers of the king. 
in the things that we do. That's when we invite Jesus in. We say, in a sense like the Queen, we say that we would, we would walk, we would live with the King of Kings and follow him. We become, in our very nature, when we become Christians, we immediately become carriers, bearers of the things of Jesus, of that King, the King of Kings. And it's interesting, isn't it, that even the Queen herself signs all her notes, your servant Elizabeth. And I've been really gripped the last few weeks. If you've been here, if you haven't, we've been looking at the book of Philippians. And in the book of Philippians, the verses that have really jumped out and hit many people are those verses like, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, a couple of weeks ago, when Mary was talking about the servant-heartedness of Jesus who emptied himself and became like us. And now we are called to serve like him. We have an incredible calling, the imprint of Christ to build something of his kingdom in this world. And I just want to share a little bit about that out of some of the things that we've been talking about as a leadership in terms of um, a thing called a mission action plan. For the next three years, we've got uh, some things in store. And I'm going to very briefly mention a sort of highlighted version of that. And then I want to speak into it based on these verses here. A mission action plan is, if, you've, if you're in business or you know things, it's at least giving some sense of goals, some sense of ideas of where we want to go and the sort of things we want to get into. And it's really helpful as a bit of an indicator. It doesn't mean that we're summed up by that, we're not judged by that, but it actually gives us a bit of a goal and a help. And we've been looking at things as a PCC and as a core leadership team and as a staff. And um, in some ways, I want to highlight what I would almost call a kingdom action plan for us. And these are some of the highlights that we're going to be expecting in the next few years. We're thinking big. We're thinking, we're expecting growth. We're expecting people to come to know Jesus for the first time, to join this church and be part of things and be, be involved. You know, we've had three welcome meals in the last year. We've had 70 new folk who've wanted to join the church in the last year. That's incredible. Many of them have become Christians for the first time. Some of them have, have come back to faith, come back to church for whatever reason. And we're so encouraged by it. We want to see more of what God can do. We want to increase the number of connect groups, which are our small groups. We're really praying for a, a new worship pastor. Not that our worship teams are, 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 are you know, no good or anything like that. It's just that we need someone who can coordinate uh, the future in terms of our worship. Some um, people to help with our compassion. We're growing our compassion ministries in different ways. And someone to particularly work amongst the seniors and in the life of, of uh, those that are are older within the congregation, but also beyond that, actually into our community, which is increasing numbers of older folk as well. This is our heart. This is our desire. It's big stuff. Refurbishment of this sanctuary space, which has been broadly the same for a long period of time. And I think there's ways that we could refresh up some of the areas in terms of just the seating, in terms of a refreshment area where people can come in, uh, and maybe a new welcome area over there. That's what we're exploring. We're looking at heating Things like that. Just some core things. Because it's sometimes cold in this church, even when the heating's on or off. So various things that we're just seeking to do on that front. Growing younger. It's not that any of us, I'm getting older. Look, I'm 60 this year, okay, so I'm really pushing on. Someone mentioned to me, they said, you can use your card this week. I said, what? Oh, you're not 60 yet. Okay. He thought it was my travel card, which I get when I get to 60. Can't wait for that. I'm growing older, but you know what? My heart, and the word that really gets on my heart is the word legacy. 
We want, to, we want to be placing something in place here that's going to be for the next generations. So our call has got to be younger, and it's got to be more diverse as well to reflect much more our community. And that's been the lovely thing, see how that has grown, become more diverse and more aware of one another. The prayer and the prophetic are going to become more central to our life. A culture of honor, of encouragement, of love, of more food and more hospitality. The breakfast was all right, though the prunes weren't eaten. It's disappointed me. The fact is, is we need to be that sort of family place. A culture of faith sharing where it's just we can't wait to share our faith just in the everyday with Alpha and, plant, and church planting, hopefully, and word and spirit disciples practicing the way that we would be people that would have that daily rule of life and habits. So this is just a highlight of what was a, is a bigger document, but actually something I think that might make us you know, think, what has God got in store? Some big stuff. It's exciting for what God has. And, um, and yeah, how do we approach something like this? How do we look at something like this? My natural thing is, yes, it's a great privilege to build this kingdom. Yes, Lord, you seem to be raising up these things. But, oh, no, Lord, how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? My natural response is I, I actually enjoy planning. Uh, but I look at something like this and I think, how can it happen? We struggle to get volunteers to even do welcome or kids work or whatever. How can we possibly get into some of these areas? You know, we struggle to, we seem so small. We seem so irrelevant. We're up the other end of the high street. We're not right in the middle of things. You can start to buzz the questions around and think, what do I do as a result of it? My natural reaction is, I've just got to work harder. I've just got to try harder. I've just got to be cooler than ever. I've just got to be that person who's going to attract people. And so often that's our response, isn't it? If we want to make things happen, we think, right, we're going to make things happen. You know, I love getting stuck in. I actually meet with God, bizarrely, as I do stuff. I just find as I do stuff, as I'm active, and that's, we're all wired differently. But for me, I do. But the danger is within that, it becomes about me. It becomes about my might and my power. It becomes about the things that I can do or can't do or whatever. And as I look at it, I think, I can't do it. I have not got the capacity to achieve any of this stuff. I really haven't. And as we all look at it, we think, how can we do it? How can we afford this stuff? We all look at it and we say, it's not possible. And the only place that it's driven me to is this little verse in Zechariah 4, verse 6. And it's a tough one because I think my working, get down, I'm thinking, yeah. But actually, it hits the core of it because I know in the core of my being that the only things that have ever happened have not been actually because of might and power. It's been because of his spirit at work. The only reason I came to Christ was because of his spirit. It wasn't by might or power by someone else. Yes, there were contributions into it, but ultimately it was only the spirit of God that can change me and can do that work. But I look at it and I think, crumbs, what, what needs to be doing? In a few days' time, um, Ken over there, myself, Richard, and another guy called Brian, were going on a walk on Wednesday. So for 10, 12 days or so, my wife's having party every night in our house. And we're going off to a thing called the, the Camino, which is something you might have heard of. Oops, not that way, that way, that way. Um, and um, 
It's in northern Spain. I won't go into the ins and outs of it because I bore you silly. I can bore you silly about the Camino. I did it about nine years ago and I did uh, 500k of it. And what I'm going to do in 12 days is 300k of it. So I'm going to do 25 to 30k walk a day. And it's an amazing experience. I love the thing I did before and I love doing it again. But we're going off uh, on a walk and we've got these, you know, we've got an intention in mind and we're going to get there. It's going to be great. The other day I thought, right, I'm going to do a training walk. I went to Ashridge. You know what Ashridge is up near Berkhamstead? Beautiful National Trust Park. I thought, right, 15 mile. I'm going to do a 15 mile walk. I'm going to test out my equipment. I'm going to do it. And I just had, I thought, right, I'm just going to do it as if I'm doing it like the Camino. I'm not going to have any GPS or anything like that. I'm just going to go by paper, right? I'm going to do it. And some beautiful views and walking around 10 miles into it, doing great. Then I got lost. I'd already got lost about four times before that. Because if you go on any footpaths, you know, no, have you ever been in English footpaths? You go off on one. You think, no, I think this is the wrong way. And you go back again. So I did about two extra miles, I reckon, by then. Just going off and back. And you're, you're in the middle of this and you're basically, at 10 miles, I realized I was lost. But I still, I was only halfway around the route I had my hand. So I still had the other way to get round. So there I am, I'm lost. I'm thinking, what do I do? Where do I go? What can, what, what's going to happen? My knees were starting to hurt. My feet were starting to hurt. My phone had died, so I couldn't even cheat. And I bumped into the other guy. He was coming the other way, and he said, you know what? I'm lost as well. <laughs> and he had this tiny little Scotty, black Scotty dog called Hamish. And he had tiny little legs, you know, little... And he kept calling him all the time. And uh, anyhow, we both decided we were lost. He was from, from Watford. That's probably why he was lost. But anyhow, he was... He stopped in and we, we, we started on a journey together, the two of us. And then within a few minutes, we realized we were both lost and still didn't know the way back. So fortunately, a runner came past and, and he, he told us exactly where we needed to go. And eventually we got back. I left at quarter to 12 from the, uh, one place and I got to my car at quarter to six. It took me six hours. Jenny, stop laughing. It was a serious moment in my life. All I'm saying that is leading a church is often like that. <laughs> You think you know where you're going. And there's some beautiful sights and there's some amazing things. But very often things take you off in one direction. You come back to it. And then you move back into what you think is right. And then you, then you realize you're lost. <laughs> and then you bump into someone else, another leader in the church, and they feel like they're lost as well. <laughs> or you meet other leaders and you ask them what they do, how they do it. And they go, well, we're lost as well. We haven't got a clue either. <laughs> the fact is, we're lost Actually, the other day I heard, and it's probably a bit unfortunate if you're a Liverpool fan this morning, but I, I heard an interview uh, the other day with that famous German theologian, Jürgen Klopp. And he was asked the question, he said, tell us about leadership. What advice would you give to other leaders? He said, oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no idea how to, you know, I don't know. Sorry, that's my attempt at Jürgen Klopp. But he said, you have no idea what to do. He said, but one thing I would say, you listen. You must listen. You must listen to those that you are working with. You must listen. And if the better you listen, the better leader you are. Didn't help last night, but anyhow, the point is. <laughs> the fact is, is the harder you try, the more you realize you need the Holy Spirit. Five hundred BC, Zechariah. Zechariah is in Jerusalem. He's come back after they've been in captivity, uh, the Babylonians. And uh, 
Zerubbabel returned to uh, Jerusalem with only about 50,000 and uh, uh, began to lay the foundations. But they actually stopped building for 16 years. And Haggai and Zechariah are two prophets that come in and stir up the people. So it's been 16 years of just the foundations of the temple. Nothing was going on because there had been obstacles and other things that had come up and got in the way. And so we've got Haggai and Zechariah effectively challenging the people. And now we see encouraging the people is Zechariah. And the summary of the book effectively is saying, look, you are carriers of God, the kingdom of God. And you need to build this temple. You need to rebuild it. You need to build it in the way that's right. And he has these eight messages, eight visions. And this is the fifth message here where he says this statement. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And what it seems to say there is that, you know, God will not lead you to where his strength cannot sustain you, effectively. When God calls, he enables. If he says move, Move, because he will enable you to do it. And that is what one has to try and, I need to know, I need to get to every day, is say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And then if it's of you, I need to press into it. And then I need to do it. Because he says, I will sustain you. If it's God's will and God's work, then only through the power of the Spirit can it be done. And I lay myself, in a sense, I state myself before you and I say, help me. Help me to keep that focus right. And each one of us are all part of this as well. It's not just about me. We're all part of listening to the Holy Spirit. That's the fun of it all. The Holy Spirit is within all of us. So we can all play and all be part of leading, God, uh, leading this church into what God has in the future. Isn't that amazing? And I'm inviting you to saying that we live not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit. Zerubbabel felt the task was huge. It was huge. The numbers of people compared to when Solomon built the temple was minute in comparison to those people. The task was huge. The number was small. They were pretty discouraged. They were all pretty bored. In fact, Zechariah basically says, you, uh, Haggai actually talks about, you're in your panelled houses, but you're allowing the temple not to be built. We'd all got used to being comfortable and a bit of God on the side. And therefore, Zechariah calls them into building because it was a statement of who God is. And that is what we want, don't we? We want people to be saying, that is the place where God is present. Not just present in this place, but he's present in his people. There's something about those people when I bump into them that it's, it, it just oozes out of them. The kingdom of God at work. And so the challenges really of living this are twofold. One which I want to just share these two things. The first one is this. We often overestimate what we can do. I love lists. If anybody knows me, I love lists. So I, I write up a list at the beginning of every week and, and I, you know, my urgent lists and various other lists. I love lists. And as you know, I've shared this with you before. Sometimes if I haven't achieved anything in a day, I will write down things that I've done in the day and cross them out because it makes me feel better about myself, okay? Because I've achieved something, even though, you know what I mean, you know where I'm going in, those who love lists. And so I like lists, and I, like, I, like, I, I can set myself, I like writing out new plans and new things and new stuff and whatever. But of course we know life ain't like this. Life <laughs> doesn't work in the way that we like. And we often overestimate what we can do. Now, I want to say firstly, we do need to contribute. 
We need to be part of the answer. Very often, the thing we pray for, we're the answer to it, isn't it? That's the annoying thing. We say, Lord, do that. And then God says, maybe you could be part of that. And that's the really frustrating thing. So it's not denying the fact that our might and our power is acknowledging the might and power. We need to be people of action. We need people who do stuff. We can't just think it and imagine it. We need to do it. But the danger is that you know, we, we can contribute. God's work is only done through our human efforts, but not... Um, God's work is done through our human efforts, but not by our efforts. Sometimes we, we worry, well, you know, am I going to be up to it? Well, ultimately, the big challenge that I've realized is that I am not indispensable. Jesus says, doesn't he, in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When Jesus spoke to his disciples on Ascension Day, we've just had Ascension Day, um, but Ascension Day, and he addressed them. It's interesting, isn't it? He didn't say, let's, look, I just want to encourage you to get a program together. I want you to get a, a you know, consultant in to help you define how the church is going to grow and how it's going to happen. He says, first, he says, wait. With me, I'm thinking, I'd be thinking, come on, come on, come on, Jesus, give it to me now. You're off. And he said, what is he? You're off. He says, wait. And I think probably the thing which is going to be fun for me, be wandering away for a few days, is actually the timing of it's really great because it's like I know, even though I'm walking, I've got to wait. I'm actually seeing it as an opportunity to wait. Maybe this is a, I feel this summer is the time where we're waiting on God, saying, God, what have you got for us? We'd love to see even a fraction of these things, but Lord, we've got to wait on you. And Jesus says to them, wait. Wait for the Spirit. And maybe, to be fair, sometimes we need to give more time in our services just to wait on God, to be quiet. And we're going to give a a space in a moment for that. Because, brothers and sisters, we need a fresh touch of the Spirit, don't we? We really do. We need it as individuals. We need it in our churches. We need it in our land. The Spirit of Jesus is the only one that can transform our land. He's the only one. And we need a fresh touch of the Spirit. I love the way this passage sandwiches things in such a powerful way. In chapter 4, I won't read the first few verses, but it talks about a golden lampstand. Well, of course, the lampstand is used to signify the church very often. In Revelation, it refers to the lampstand. And then the second half after this particular chunk here, it talks about the oil. Again, another picture of the Holy Spirit. Right in that prophetic word to that situation, it's so relevant to us today. Only by his spirit can things happen. Because you see, the second thing is, very often we overestimate what we can do and we underestimate what God can do. It's interesting, verse 7, it says this. It says, what are you, mighty mountain? I don't know what the mountains are in your life. Or the things before you saying, how can I get through that? How can I get up that? There's so much. I can't do it. I can't face it. How will it be removed? And it's like God's encouragement to every single one of us today. That mountain. That mountain's going to be leveled by God. The mountain's going to be leveled. Because he promises here. He says, he says um, mighty mountain. Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. 
Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. We will see those things. And if, even if we don't see it in our lifetime, God is going to do it. God is going to do what he wants to do. And we need to be obedient to where he's calling us to. It says, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. So it's like a word to say it will happen. His hands will complete it. And then the capstone, which is the key final piece, is brought. And everybody will go, yay, God has blessed it. Now, I think we're in a stage where we're saying, I suppose I feel God is saying to us, yeah, good ideas, but are they God ideas? And that's why we have to wait. Even the things I wrote down earlier. God might have bigger plans than that. We might be just confining him within a small little box. He may be saying there's more. He may be tweaking things. That's fine. We're led by the Spirit. But he's saying don't look to the mountains. Don't try and, if you like, claim them all and deal with them all yourself. But focus on the promise that I can do all things through him who loves us. I love the way as well it talks about there in verse 10 about the, the, it says, who despises the day of small things? You probably heard that phrase as well. And isn't that amazing the fact that, let's face it, the church is a lot smaller than it was. It's funny actually, uh, quite recently I was talking to another, uh, another vicar who, uh, who I knew when I was at college. I hadn't seen him for 30 odd years at Vicar Factory or Theological Cemetery that I was at with him. Wycliffe Hall, brilliant college. But he said to me, he said, Andy, when you were back at college, I remember you were really so keen to change the whole of the country, to change the world, you and a bunch of others. We were the sort of mad little ones, the, 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 the young ones. And we had a vision of what we wanted to see. He said, it hasn't worked out, has it? it hasn't worked out how he thought. He was, I mean, it was quite a tough thing to say. He was quite cynical about it almost, saying, and I said, I still believe that. I still believe that. Yeah, the church might seem smaller, and it is, supposedly, in terms of those that attend. It might seem that we're irrelevant. It might seem we're on the edge. But hey, we've got a big God, haven't we? Because that's what it's saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And that's what he's calling us into. We have a God. You see, it's not the smallness that the issue. It seems to me it's more the belief that we are small. That is the issue. And maybe it's that we need to change our focus. Like Gideon in the Bible as well, to use another illustration. I've gone for ages, but I'll try not to. But Gideon, when God is fighting the Midianites, an army of 135,000 with 32,000 men, you thought, well, that's a pretty big battle in itself. And God asked him to reduce it to 300. And so 300 take on that, uh, that, that army 450 times larger than that. And God says to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. You know why he keeps it small? is because we're never too small for God to use. But maybe sometimes I can be too big for him to use. And I can get in the way. And so the challenge to me, this is a sermon to me. In fact, even this morning I've struggled with a number of things. I've thought, oh, I've moaned about this and that and whatever. I've really struggled. And it's like God is, you know, I was, and then I thought, what, what have you spent last night between watching bits of football? 
focusing in on. It's not by my might or my power, but by my spirit. I just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. I need you. I'm just going to spend a few moments now uh, just waiting on God. We'll draw to a close uh, a bit of worship in a minute, but just for a moment, let's just be quiet. And firstly, really, um, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, um, I know for some of you here, it's like, oh no, he's going on again. But I want to say, this isn't anything to do with some new idea to get everybody buzzing. Or make church live there. This is someone in the Old Testament, a long time ago, when they used horns and tambourines. And he reminds us, we cannot do it ourselves. And the church cannot grow. And that we cannot live lives of spiritual abundance without the Holy Spirit. And so you might find it helpful. I just For me, I've got to put my hand on my own heart. And I'm just going to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me afresh. Because I'm tired. I'm weary. We're all trying our best to work this out and to live this out. We need a fresh touch of your Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. I'm just going to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Maybe for some of us, we have to lay down the truth that we've tried it all ourselves. We tried to do it for ourselves. We need your Holy Spirit. Some of us, we need to repent of that and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up. And within that, some of us as well have got, we've all got gifts of the Spirit. And actually, we've, we've held back Holy Spirit, I pray you release the gifts of your Spirit afresh. That we would press into those gifts that are available, that that were wonderful, wonderful (coughs) tools, weapons that we have. Holy Spirit, do that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your Spirit is speaking now, not necessarily in a, a loud earthquake or a fire, but Actually, in a still small voice. Holy Spirit, we thank you. 
Thank you, Lord. In a sense, for some of us, we just need to remind you, the Holy Spirit just says to us, you are loved. You are known. You might feel like you're not any good at all, but you are known and you are loved. We bless you, Lord, for that. Some of us are facing mountains in our lives. Jesus wants to say to you, we're going to get those mountains leveled. But trust me. Maybe just say, I freshly trust you. Freshly trust you for those mountains. They will be, they will be leveled. And you will see the kingdom built like they were built in Jerusalem. They'll be rebuilt. Thank you, Lord. Finally, for some of you, you actually need to step up. You need to step out of just the comfort paneled rooms, as Haggai would say. And God is calling you to step into his purposes. You've been holding back for a variety of reasons, for comfort, for the fact that it's the easy life, God is saying, step into my purposes, Lord Jesus. So I pray that as well over us. And thank you, Lord, that your, your purposes are good. As we read earlier, you are good. You are good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for this family, Lord. Thank you for every single person here. Thank you, Lord, for those that are still trying to work out what this is all about, who are here. Lord, I pray that for each one of them, they would know that God is pursuing you by his spirit. And he loves you. And he is enough for you. Just say yes. So, Lord, I, I pray now as we worship and draw things to a close... Lord, I pray you minister to our hearts, Lord. And help me, Lord, to hear your voice better. To be sensitive to what you're saying. Not just because I happen to be the vicar, but actually because I am your son. And you love me just as I am. Thank you, Father.